what's good everybody welcome back to another episode of legends corner where only legends are allowed today we have coach Gazzotti on the show with us today super excited to have him a great motivational speaker with even a more motivational story that we're excited to share with you guys who are interested in a career field like this had to get you guys one more guest before we make our big move to knoxville and if you don't know why check out our social media pages at legends corner and without further ado i'll let kellen take over let's get to it yo what's good family welcome to the legends corner where all the legends are allowed this episode three and we have a special guest with us coach Gazzotti, the assistant athletic director for football and human performance at tcu texas christian university uh, today he's just dropping gems on us. We're catching up um, and just asking for, for a couple of advice here. Uh, Coach Gazzotti, it's good to have you. Man, excited to be here, man. Yes, I didn't know it was Legends Corner. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Y'all might need to knock the title down a little bit. Just be like regular guys of space or something. Man. Hey, nah, man. You a legend in our eyes. Wow. You know what I mean? That's a heck of a title. You're a legend. <laughs> You're a legend in our eyes. Look, I uh, just want to jump right into it. So, um, you know, I pretty much did my research on you. Um, seen some hell of an interviews and, and I was inspired. Um, could you first kind of just run us through from the beginning? How, how was it growing up in the uh, DRC, uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, correct? Yeah, that's where I'm originally from. I was born in Kinshasa, Zaire. And uh, when I was born, that's when one of the, 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 the many uh, Congolese wars was escalating. So you had refugees coming from Rwanda um, through uh, um, parts of Zaire to Kinshasa. So the refugees would come. My father was a newspaper uh, um, reporter. So a lot of Americans, you know, you get to put your ideas and thoughts out there in spaces and get to say whatever you want to say about the president and get to talk slick about politicians and talk slick about the police or whatever you want to say. But it's not like that everywhere in the world. So as a reporter, my father thought it was pivotal to get his family out of the situation. Because right now it's like, you know, you're going to write what the, the government tells you to write. And if it sounds like, looks like you put a comma in the wrong space or you're, you're being shady a little bit, there was executions being dished out. So that's the DRC part. And then we moved to the United States. I was about seven or eight years old when we got to, um, to New York for a couple of months. Tell me the, um, the transition and kind of comparison from uh, the DRC to New York, or maybe even the Midwest of America. The transition to me, I, as, as a small child, I remember feeling like um, we were getting lined up to get killed or something like that. I remember uh, passing by uh, military soldiers and seeing the size of their equipment, the size of the guns, and thinking, man, that sucker's as big as my body, so something negative is about to happen or whatever. And then I remember when you land, the smell of the United States, you know, the, the feel of the brisk weather, you know, and so it was like my coat wasn't heavy enough. You know, I wasn't acclimated. I wasn't ready for the, the air, the smell of the air. It was cold. And the people were busy. They were too busy to smile, too busy to, get, you know, to say what's up or whatever. And so by the time you get to the Midwest, that, that taught you a lot about um, biases, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, that good old, good, the good old R word, what do you call it, racism or whatever. Yeah. So you learn about that when you're young, real young, and you watch your parents go through just kind of like the hiring system and hiring practices and retention and all that stuff. And, and, and you grow up and you see people that are okay with you being friends, but just, you know, don't date my daughter. So you, you kind of pick up on that. And then so it makes you eager to hurry up and get out of the situation, even though 
my father made the right decision in picking that place because it was a safe environment to raise kids, even though, you know, not everything is 100%. So it wasn't great, but it was safe. Gotcha. And, and uh, progressing, living in America for and get adjusted in that time, uh, how were you introduced in sports? Well, introducing in the sport, introduction in the sport was all about, you know, just uh, having a place to kind of release tension, a place to kind of like uh, uh, display creativity and really show, you know, a little bit of individualism and in who you were, you know, in, in, a, in a team sport. By that, I mean athleticism and, and, and being fast and, and having a fun time. So it was funny because I remember like you be at, at, at football games and you hear somebody you know, some little kid that was well off getting getting loved on by his family and my family had to work and I was thinking, Y'all keep cheering his name till I knock his ass out. You know what I'm saying? So it was it was just funny. It just like, you know, it was a it was a uh I was lucky to be put in a position where I had outlets. And being blessed, uh, to really just take football and, and athletics seriously. Um why Coach Raider why the University of Tennessee? Oh, no, see, it was uh, the University of Tulsa. Tulsa. I went there because Coach Raider came to my house. And as a Congolese family, we were eating fufu. And uh, we had goat's meat, and, and my mother had cooked a traditional uh, meal. So when Coach Raider came to the house, he came by himself as the head coach of a university. And he didn't have a tie on or anything. He was had some slacks on and a white button up. There was no tie on. And he came through, he sat down, and he, he broke bread with the family. like. You know, he learned a little bit about fufu. He learned a little bit about how we were eating. And he sat and he talked man to man with my father. And after that, it was like my pop's decision. He said, you know, you're going with the guy. And my pops was like, basically, you know, he, he respected the way that Coach Rady respected the environment and respected the Congolese in the house. You know what I mean? So that's really what drew me to the University of Tulsa, small private university. I could get my education and not get sidetracked by all the like, quote unquote, college lifestyle type stuff. I couldn't afford that. I had to make something quickly and get back to the house quickly. I had to get back to the hive productively. I, I didn't. I couldn't play around with 400 people classrooms, something like that. You're not serious when you have 400 people in a classroom. Correct. That's just uh, uh, industrialism. That's 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 not education. Correct. Correct. And love fufu. Imani, she's from Nigeria, so my grandma put me on. Um, and jollof rice. Yeah, <laughs> food that really stick to you. Yeah, right, right. Carbs all yeah. day long. <laughs> and you went on to have a successful career at Tulsa, uh, earning all Western Athletic Conference honors. Uh, was even a buckets award. Oh yeah, I was all American. Now yeah. hold up, baby. Yeah, you all American. Yeah, yeah. Don't 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 shortchange the kids now. Sorry. Shoot, all hey. American, yeah, man. yeah. Come on now. Semifinalist. Extra sturdy in that. <laughs> <one>. oh. <laughs> Which is given to annually the, the top linebacker in the, in the nation. So uh, walk us through what was going on uh, when you seen your name come across the screen during the uh, NFL draft in 1997. Man, you know, Tulsa was a special place at that time. They had the hyper program, or it was kind of like the PE program. And so it brought a lot of kids from Texas that might not have gotten the big scholarship offers that they wanted. So then they ended up kind of looking, you know, secondary-wise and saying, man, where can I go get a good education and still be around kind of like that, the, the Texas kids vibe. And they ended up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So we had a bunch of kids from H-Town and a bunch of kids from Dallas and, you know, Spruce High and, and man, you know, it was, it was Lincoln and just a bunch of guys that I ended up uh, being friends with uh, from Texas. So it was like, it was good, it, a good experience, you know? So 
I remember my redshirt freshman year. Where I think we're playing. Uh, uh, I think we're playing the team from Waco. Okay. And you know, I remember having almost 20 tackles as as my first start. And Cedric Clark, who was a defensive end, turned around to me and he said, man, you're going to be a baller or something like that because I could just run all day. I love to run, so I'll just run all day. And I remember my linebacker coach showing me uh, the Bermuda Triangle linebackers. It was Jesse Armstead, Michael Barrows, and uh, uh, Darren Smith over there in, in Miami. And I used to just study linebackers. I would study uh, Marvin Shaytree Jones. I would study Quentin Corey out down there with the Wrecking Crew. I would study... Uh, uh, um, Mark, Mark Fields, who was at Washington State, and these dudes just were incredibly fast, and they used to play running back, and they were really athletic. So it changed my style of ball to like display power, speed, and, and be smart and stuff. So I remember getting drafted, and it, it was like that was the day work started, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like getting drafted is easy. Staying drafted is tough. Getting to the league is easy. Staying in the league is tough because it's survival of the fittest when you talk about the NFL. Correct. Um, I often hear my pops, he played in the 90s, and he always tell me that uh, NFL means not for long. Oh, so yeah, yo, have a yo. business plan. Like, I'm telling you, you get to the NFL and you find out really what true business is because they're interviewing other athletes while you're practicing. These guys show up, and there's always an endless oh, supply of linebackers, an endless supply of other athletes getting ready to take your position just in case you're not brolic enough to hold on to it. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're not um, disciplined enough to go ahead and take care of yourself nutritionally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and get around good people that are going to help, like, uh, elevate your awareness and, 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 and put you on a game, by game I mean, business stocks bonds investments uh, real estate and you're not going to surround yourself with that but you want to chase the flash and the and the champagne and all that stuff the bubbles and the and the and the and, and the clubbing and the stripping and all that type stuff you want to do that you could do that you're just not going to be there long right right and uh you got any like welcome to the league moments welcome to the league moment is uh um i would say craig ironhead hayward he is 338 pound fullback and he played at Pittsburgh, but when we got him, he weighed 338 on the scale. He used to ride around in a Segway. And so Coach Vermeil was using him as kind of like the blocking back, and sometimes Ironhead would carry the ball a few times. I was standing behind him when he got weighed, and he was supposed to come in a little bit lighter, but Ironhead was just like a thick, big boned type dude. His head was so big they had to take three or four NFL helmets and make a special helmet for him. By that, I mean they cut off the front, the back of one helmet, they cut out two middle sections and they welded him a helmet. That's how big his head was. And that was the cat I was going against when it came to pass rush drills because they weren't going to put him against the starting linebacker. Right. So like threes went against the ones, twos went against the ones. Mm -hmm. Ones never really seldom against went against ones. So by the time I got done experiencing Ironhead and, and taking on and shedding his blocks for a whole straight six weeks, because Coach Vermeil kept you in pass for six weeks. I remember my wife came to the airport to say hello when we were at camp. I'm standing there, and she walked right by me. She couldn't recognize me. My eyes were, <laughs> my eyes were black. My nose was like, like purple from uh, the blood, the blood swelling up on my nose. Like I didn't even look the same. My neck was super thick. My, the traps, my shoulders were big, and she didn't recognize me. And then by the time I said her name, and she turned around and looked at me, like I saw the fear in her face when she was looking at me, like this is not him anymore. Um, and. What was kind of like that mentality uh, transitioning from 
Um, a student athlete, professional athlete, to a coach and administrator. Uh, today. Uh, I think any mentality has always been my mother's mentality. You know, my mother, she crossed the, uh, the Congolese River with a baby on her back getting chased by hippos, you know what I mean? So it's like the, the, the mentality has always been I am an immigrant. I, I have an immigrant mentality. I have a get your feet dirty and, and two feet, ten toes down, pick dirty things up, do dirty work mentality. So it, that's never going to change. Like, I've never had a bad day in my life in the United States. I don't care what was in front of me. I don't care who I was with. I don't care what they thought about me. I give two dams about that. You know what I mean? But it's like in the United States, so many people take the right to say they had a bad day. Think about how hubris that is. The whole 24 hours was bad, Doc. Use the imagination, man. You, you, you're embellishing the whole situation. You know, you're supposed to drop your cell phone. You're supposed to get a flat tire. You know what I mean? You're supposed to have disagreements and all that stuff. You ain't have a bad day. Sometimes you get fired from work, but that don't mean you had a whole bad day. There's people that love you. There's people that's around you. There's a roof there. There's food. There's a bed. There's a house. You ain't have a bad day. You had a bad moment. So that's the immigrant in me where I'm not going to let anybody convince me I had a bad day. Uh, bad anything man you might have a bad 10 seconds a bad one minute i got 24 hours 23 hours left baby i respect it and i like it hard times don't last always uh where where did your your public speaking skills come from no uh, my my grandfather was a preacher my 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 brother's a preacher my sister's a preacher okay. you know what i mean they tell me i should be preaching i tell them no <laughs> you know what i mean there's no hypocrisy in me i'm not gonna do any of that you know so I don't know if it just is that or just really, I'm a, I'm, I don't want to sound egotistic, it's just me being me. I'm just trying to be authentic. So I'm not going to talk about anything that I'm not certain of. Uh, I'm not going to talk about anything I don't believe in. And I'm not going to tell you a lie. I'm not going to try to act like I'm better than the next man or anything like that. I'm always going to be me and I'm not trying to impress anybody. Like literally, any bag of bones, skin, hair, they can have their opinion about what they think I am or what they think, whatever. I'm not worried about that. I'm going to do knowledge. I love it. I love it. You serve as the assistant athletic director for football, human performance. What do you like most about your position? The athletes, man. Are you kidding me? If you're not in it for the young people, what are you in it for? Like, like the athletes, and I don't care what sport they play. I love all athletes. I don't care what sport they play. I don't care if you're a water polo. I don't care if you're a diver. I don't care if you're a, a rifle shooter or, or equestrian. Like just the ability to get up in the morning and compete at a really high level and hold yourself accountable to standards and expectations and, 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 and put your best out there so you can be judged by, by the critic, my hat goes off to them, you know? Like you know, you, you know the poem, the, to the man in the arena. And those young people, they're the ones in the arena. They're the ones like really practicing and sweating and working hard and then gotta go to class and gotta balance life and gotta balance all these stresses and gotta balance other people's opinion now because of social media. So somebody they don't know can talk sideways about them. And this person talking might not have sweated a day in their life. You know, this person talking might not have ever achieved a thing, but these young people got to deal with it. They go to a game and you hear fans yelling, kill them. You hear fans yelling awkward things that you would never yell to your own kids. And so athletes got to deal with that stuff. So that's why I get into it. It's all about them. So just give them the fire and the brimstone, keep telling them the truth and and push cut the shove, man. Kick their ass. Hold them accountable. Yes, sir. Last question, Coach. For those listening uh, interested in a career field similar to yours, what advice could you give them to be successful? Okay, I'll tell you. Get 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 cut a whole bunch of times from an NFL team. Get hired from a couple companies. Get fired. Get criticized a lot. 
have a lot of people talk about you bad, right? And then have a lot of people post bad opinions about you. Have a lot of people do backstabby type stuff and then you keep on bouncing back. And then make a lot of money, then lose a lot of money, right? And then get severely hurt a couple of times. Be on the edge of death, bounce back. You know what I mean? Have a couple kids when you're not technically ready to have kids and then go get a job that don't pay you nothing. Work the job like it's paying you every single thing. Fall in love with other people rather than yourself. Or fall in love with the opportunity as opposed to, to, to the end process or whatever it is. It's just like do that enough and then we can talk about doing what we do, if that makes sense. Makes sense. And that's not sitting there trying to embellish myself and my experiences but i'm not gonna sit there and paint no pretty picture about anything that i've been through or how to get here you know what i mean like you gotta you gotta quote unquote fail a bunch of times and then you can quote unquote be successful like people think i'm successful that's a fixed state there's no such thing as successful unless i walk away from everything and go post up a small bakery on the beach and i never coach again you'll never be successful it's a growth business. Everything is always in motion. Success and failure, those are fixed titles. Like, you all of a sudden, you stop there. You know what I'm saying? Right. If that was the case, then Michael Jordan was a failure in high school. Correct. If that was the case, then Tom Brady was a failure when he lost one of the Super Bowls. LeBron was a failure when he lost one of the NBA titles. You know, like, these Olympians that run track, they were failures whenever they lose. Like, that title is made for regular people. They say that so they can go ahead and feel a certain type of way. There's no such damn thing about it's true or, or possible. There's no... There's nothing, there's no such thing called failure or success. Mm -hmm. that, that, those are just funny ass words. You know what I mean? It's all about growth and it's all about forward momentum and, and continuing to push forward and understanding obstacles that are supposed to be in the way. The problem's not the problem. The problem's how you respond to the problem. Life is a set of problems. Go ahead and have the right mindset and respond to the problem correctly. Learn how to think right. Learn how to have the right perception, you know, perspective, and then understand that in the future, you'll be able to use that stuff as emotional ammunition. You know what I mean? Anything you go through is all emotional ammunition. Be proud that you're going through it so you can tell your kids about it. Definitely. Yes, sir. Coach, I appreciate it. <laughs> I love it, baby. I love it. <laughs> hey, thank you for tuning in to the Mic <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, man. No, all day, man. Appreciate Thank you. you. <laughs>